Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you all. Thanks for tuning in to this uh, Chartmetric Given seminar on 6MO, the semi-annual report that we have just released. My name is Jason Hoven. Uh, I am the manager of content and insights here at Chartmetric, and Rutger Rosenborg will be coming up a little bit um, to talk a little bit about not only one of the parts of 6MO, but also a little bit about uh, what 6MO is uh, more in general. For now, uh, if you're new to Chartmetric, the company, uh, I just want to do a quick little intro for that uh, in case you are, maybe you got this link forwarded to you by a colleague and you don't know anything about uh, what we do. Uh, I'll just clue you in for a second. Uh, in 2016, the company got started in Silicon Valley. That's where most of the team is based. It's uh, half business people, but half also computer engineers and data scientists and data engineers. So a lot of the technical team is over there in the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, a lot of the business team is either in the UK or here in New York, uh, where Rucker and I are based. Chartmetric is a music analytics tool that you can log in with your phone or on your laptop or your desktop, and you can look at over 2 million artists that we track. Uh, we have over 20 different data sources across streaming platforms as well as social media platforms. And we allow you to check out who gained the most followers in the past week. Um, we have our own proprietary features, such as our cross-platform performance ranking, which basically dynamically every 24 hours reproduces a popularity ranking system across nine different platforms. We can get into that uh, in a few minutes. Um, but essentially, uh, we charge a monthly or yearly subscription fee to access the platforms. You can make quicker business decisions no matter what you do, whether you're a music label, an artist yourself, a manager, uh, looking over several uh, artists, uh, whether you're in the branding business, uh, you're a booking agent, you're in the live space. There's a lot of different uh, people in the entertainment industry that has either one or both feet in the music business that uh, are um, really uh, enthusiastic users of the tool and we're happy to have them. So hopefully those are some of you as well. Uh, and if not, you can please check out chartmetric.com if you want to learn more. Uh, for now, I want to uh, bring in Rutger here to talk a little bit about uh, 6MO in general and then we'll get into the PDF itself. Um, so I just want to introduce uh, our report a little bit for you guys. Um, so we launched this semi-annual report uh, last year. And with our first edition, we were looking from January to June, so the first six months of 2019. This report, we're looking from July to December, so the last six months, second half of 2019. Um, and with this report, we really wanted to focus on breakthrough artists. So looking at ways to find rising artists, not necessarily the superstars. So looking at who popped up in the last six months, how did they achieve this digital success on streaming platforms, on social media platforms. And so that's how we've sort of broken this report down. So part one, we look at um, chart metric rising artists. So we're mostly focused on the top percentage gains across a number of different platforms from Shazam to Instagram to Spotify. <clears throat> and then in part two, we're looking at uh, we're sort of zooming out a little bit and looking at um, streaming platforms, so four of them, um, Spotify, Deezer, Apple, and Amazon. And the way we wanted to uh, break this down was looking at playlist ads. So we looked at what artists got added to, got added most for the first time to playlists on those four DSPs. 
And the reason we went with uh, first-time ads is because we were looking for those rising artists, those artists that are being added to playlists for the first time, instead of artists who have been on the, added to the same playlist over and over, or added and removed, etc. We're just going to share our findings with you. Uh, let us know if you have any questions. For now, I'll let Jason take on part one. Thank you, Rutger. Again, it's a 24-page PDF. And uh, this time around, though, we made this a little bit more interactive. So you can actually click onto a lot of these uh, artist names or some of the album art that you'll see um, to, or some article that we reference to just help it make m a bit more of an immersive experience so you can kind of look into more of the context for yourself. Uh, which we highly, highly encourage. Uh, we are a music data company, but we also are very big proponents of having information surrounding the data so it kind of integrates with the wider kind of picture, which is uh, super, super important. So this time around for the second edition, we have two parts instead of three like in the previous one. And so I'll talk a little bit about this first one. This first part we call Rising Artists. So again, for from July to December of last year, we're just basically focusing on this idea of uncovering artists that are making headway on several different platforms, and uh, we just wanted to give them a little bit of spotlight. So for this first one, like I mentioned uh, a few minutes earlier, so this is our own metric, uh, if you will. Uh, it's called cross-platform performance, and that is something that one of our data scientists, it's a system that he made to dynamically generate a popularity ranking that is kind of like a quick and easy to understand kind of placement of, you know, where does my artist stand in the world of artists that Chartmetric collects? Again, we, we're over two million artists at this point that uh, we collect. And so the idea is, you know, if you run a social media campaign or, you know, there's some Twitter storm that happens amid some controversy that happens with your artist, or if they drop an album or if, they get a crazy placement, let's say, on one of the platforms, this ranking system will try to be sensitive uh, enough to it where it'll reflect uh, within a day, but also not so much where it's totally um, volatile and uh, it kind of almost has no meaning. So it's a constant balance that we're always trying to strike. Uh, you'll see down here on the, to the right of this chart, you'll see the different platforms. There are nine different ones that compose uh, for this particular algorithm, this ranking for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Wikipedia on the social media platforms and in terms of streaming platforms, Apple, Deezer, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, there's an article on our blog, blog.chartmetric.com, where you can kind of get into more of the details on how we kind of balance reach and engagement across these nine different platforms to better understand it, uh, which is uh, worth uh, talking about. But uh, essentially, this is what comes out. So what we have here is a short list of 10 artists in the second half of 2019 that did really, really well in terms of just their general popularity, at least among uh, these nine platforms and the way we uh, calculate it. Uh, Don Tolliver from the US uh, came in number one because he started on July 1st at a ranking at uh, just a little bit below 9,300 and then uh, went all the way to just under 100 itself. Uh, by the end of the year. And this was basically riding on the back of this uh, Trap and Be single, is what the genre is called, uh, for No Idea. So No Idea was this like very dreamy kind of R&B kind of vibe with like trap uh, instrumentals behind it. And uh, TikTokers uh, really took, uh, took, took to it. And they made a lot of really kind of, really a lot of like special effects laden TikToks uh, using a lot of like camera tricks and uh, visual effects to, um, 
do fun stuff, make people laugh, look cool. And they used uh, the song No Idea to kind of back it because there's just a cool uh, song behind it. So over one million TikToks were, u- TikToks were used uh, with the track uh, to back their videos. And essentially, it did really, really well for him in the second half of 2019. Another example uh, is number two, uh, Kim Loaisi- Loaiza. Loaiza keep messing that up but so she is a e2 beauty vlogger turned uh, pop star and so she's from mexico and she has two youtube channels which i found really really interesting her beauty vlogger channel still has more subscribers and views i think just because it's older but she has a very decent amount on her music youtube channel as well and uh, that reflects here uh, mostly in the fact that she gained uh, over 9,000 rank placements uh, within our cpp rank system also between july and december uh, another really interesting one is Trevor Daniel, although this isn't particularly unique because also was a TikTok, uh, um, it's just a benef- beneficiary of having a really popular track, uh, in this case, Falling, uh, from 2018, so almost two years ago, um, which says something about the use of catalog music uh, within, well, actually, this doesn't define as catalog in this particular case, uh, but still, older music, quote unquote, as opposed to a brand new frontline stuff uh, that kind of just got started to get used on TikTok and that came out in late 2019. And uh, he gained, he went from 8,500, uh, a little bit over 8,500 in CPP rank and went up to 220 uh, by the end of the year. Uh, and again, you know, a lot of these are very dynamic in terms of the ranks and how they go. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they stay up there. But it's, you know, again, to accentuate the, the timeliness of these reports and kind of, you know, when people kind of like rise and fall um, and rise and fall again, um, as is probably a lot more normal in today's music industry. Um, you'll also see, and there'll be a trend as we keep moving along through these pages, that there's a lot of diversity in terms of where these artists come from, which is something we wanted to highlight. Um, that, you know, it's not necessarily uh, American or, you know, British artists that are, or English-speaking artists for that matter, um, kind of dominating the landscape. It's getting much more diverse, which is pretty exciting. So we'll keep moving on. Uh, Next, we have YouTube channel views gain. So this is just reflective of the artist's YouTube channel themselves. Um, It could be a Vivo channel, but a lot of times it's just their regular artist channel. Uh, It does not reflect any user-generated content. So if, you know, you or I make you know, a wedding video or a fun vacation video, and we put some of these artists' music to it. It doesn't count in this particular case, but it's just focused on essentially what is probably the majority in the majority of the artist cases, their music videos. Um, they do upload a lot of other things depending on the artist. Um, sometimes it's vlogger content, sometimes it's just behind the scenes, but mostly it's, most of the views usually go towards music videos. Uh, Ash Nico is no exception to the rule. Um, so she's from several countries, really, in terms of where she grew up, uh, Estonia, Latvia, and the UK, um, but I think now is calling the US her home. Uh, she went from July 1st, I might be wrong on that, so please t- double check uh, in case you're interested, but she's from, she has a very diverse kind of like background, which is really interesting. So she is also kind of riding a, a TikTok wave, if you will. She released uh, the anti-boyfriend anthem, Stupid, uh, in 2019. Uh, July, which is uh, featuring young baby Tate. And uh, the visuals, if you haven't seen Ashniko's uh, videos, they're very, very visual. They're very uh, lively. Uh, she has a very distinct look to her. I suggest you check it out for yourself. Um, but so she put out the song Stupid in July 2019, and there are a bunch of hip shaking dance videos that uh, got really, really popular on TikTok. 
and uh, she was riding that wave for sure. So she went from over 1.4 million YouTube views on July 1st, all the way to over 50 million by the end of the year. So that's over a 3,400 percentage gain, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, number two was Roxy. So she was a Polish singer, uh, a very young one at that. I think she was in her preteens when she first kind of um, got popular within her own homeland. I think she had made it in essentially the, I can't tell if it was a national, I don't remember off the top of my head, so you have to excuse me, but she won a singing competition, uh, somewhat akin to The Voice or American Idol, either in Poland or in uh, larger Europe as a region, and uh, had this very squeaky clean image, and she eventually started to break out of that um, during this period, the second half of 2019. So she released two, two music videos on her YouTube channel and she uh, eventually went from just under 2 million uh, in the beginning of July to just over 64 million, which is pretty awesome. So um, cheers to her on that. Um, a few of the other kind of names on here, uh, really I guess one that maybe most Westerners would, would really instantly recognize. So Billie Eilish comes in number five in this particular case which is uh, worth pointing out because she already was massively successful. You'll see um, you know, on the column here that she already had 341 million YouTube views um, at the beginning of this period, which, I mean, to it just it makes everyone else's numbers very minuscule um, in comparison. But the fact that she's still able to compete with a lot of these emerging artists at the percentage gain level really says something about her success because she went to over 4.6 billion YouTube views uh, on her channel, which is um, it's just really, really impressive. Uh, another one that, that I think is worth pointing out is uh, Midian Lima, uh, number fourth, uh, the go Brazilian gospel singer. Um, so she went from th just over 3.2 to just under 55 million YouTube views on her personal YouTube channel. but. She has also has a lot of content that uh, I think what happened is some of her most popular songs got eventually contracted out to another kind of aggregator channel that uh, likes to um, either put out ballads or also a lot of her gospel content, um, music video-wise, and uh, those have in the triple-digit million views. Um, they just don't get attributed to her particular channel. So it's worth noting in her particular case is one good example of it that just because uh, artist's YouTube channel doesn't necessarily have certain numbers, a lot of times, depending on the dynamics of their local music market, they could have very, very popular videos in other places. So um, to just take that into context. I'll keep moving on. So on this page is Spotify monthly listeners gain. Um, if you're not familiar with monthly listeners, it's different from followers, which I think we're all probably fairly familiar with. For monthly listeners, it's a running 28-day count of how many different people listened to an artist um, on Spotify. So it could be any one of the tracks. Uh, it could only be just once. Um, for all we know, it doesn't even have to be a complete listen. But as long as that one person counts, uh, that in the past 28 days, they get added to the monthly listener gain. So it's very sensitive and tends to accentuate if someone has something happen with them in the news or if they uh, put out new music or get a really big playlist placement, on, especially on one of you know, Spotify's top 20 playlists, let's say. You know, if they get something on Rap Caviar or um, by La Reggaeton, uh, that usually reflects uh, quite instantly on the Spotify monthly listeners uh, metric. So within uh, July to December of last year, we see a lot of um, names that we already recognize and could probably have guessed if you were anywhere involved in the music industry of last year. Uh, Tones and I shows at number two, uh, of course, running um, even though Dance Monkey came out in May. 
uh, that had a lot of legs on it, and she released uh, a couple other tracks as well in uh, late 2019. So she went from 1.6 million to 41.2 million monthly listeners on Spotify in the six-month period. Arizona Zervis uh, with Roxanne uh, also did really, really well. That released in October of last year and uh, had over 2.4 million TikToks, um, at least at the time that we wrote this, um, probably as recent as uh, almost a month ago. Um, and I'm sure it has a lot more even uh, to this day. Um, I'm sure it keeps growing. Um, interestingly enough, uh, that was just like the latest of many releases that he's had. Um, he has a really good work ethic. Uh, if you look at his track history, he basically put out uh, one release per month since tw the top of 2016, which I think is super, super uh, impressive. And it looks like it's paid off because he came in number one, just over one million monthly listeners at the beginning um, of the period, um, all the way to under 27 million. So that's over 2,400 percentage gain. Uh, in Spotify monthly listeners. A couple of the names that you might uh, recognize, uh, Social House um, had a really big hit with Ariana Grande um, during this period as well. So this was, uh, they went from 1.6 to 8.3 million monthly listeners. So that really starts to reflect some of uh, the, the, how helpful it is for an artist to be attached to um, a really hugely established name like Ariana Grande. Um, even though they also have some really awesome tracks themselves, um, Social House is for sure a beneficiary of that, and you see that reflected here. Uh, Burner Boy, which we'll uh, catch up later with, catch up with later on um, with Twitter when we get to that. Um, he also did really, really well here on Spotify, and uh, we were lucky enough to get an article uh, placed uh, with Rolling Stone a couple of Fridays ago. Elias Light had written an article where he highlighted Burner Boy and the fact that he hadn't dropped any music recently and was still able to build this kind of like slow and gradual following um, amongst his fans, especially on Spotify and Twitter, and that reflects here. So that's really, really interesting because since TikTok is such a, such a huge uh, talking point nowadays in terms of marketing new music, he's also someone who uh, takes advantage of the kind of like s uh, the slow and steady uh, growth uh, path, uh, which has worked out for him very, very well. We'll move on to Instagram follower gains. So this is from July to December of 2019. So Rod Wave is an American rapper. If uh, you're not familiar with him, you can check out his IG by just clicking on his name. He loves uh, posting pictures with him and lots of money. Um, and uh, his Instagram followers apparently love it. So he started off the period uh, at 211,000 Instagram followers and grew almost 550% to uh, just under 1.4 million, which is uh, pretty crazy. Um, so he started off at number one. He put out, I believe, one album. Uh, which one was it? Uh, he had a, well, first of all, he had a, a track, Hard on Ice, that did really, really well. This uh, went out one month before this period in June. But then uh, put out in November uh, the Ghetto Gospel album that I think he toured with as well um, after he put it out. Um, and he went from one, one to 3,000 Instagram followers a day increase. Um, all the way up to 10 to 15,000 uh, per day. Um, that was after the Ghetto Gospel release, which is pretty cool. Uh, MC Puzi Durodo. I don't know if that's how you say his name, but um, so my apologies um, for those who speak Brazilian Portuguese. But um, he is a funk artist uh, that is coming out of Rio de Janeiro. And uh, he did really, really well as well. Uh, just over 400% at 420. Uh, he went from 305 Instagram followers uh, at July 1st all the way up to um, just under 1.6 million uh, within the six-month period. So uh, he's definitely an example of, we've written a, a few times before about how popular Instagram uh, continues to be in the Latin American region, and he is definitely a shining example of that. 
I suggest you check out our blog, blog.chartmetric.com, to check out parts two and three specifically on this topic uh, of our Trigger Cities series. We talk a little bit about um, some of the artists that uh, also kind of exhibit this dynamic, um, which is interesting. Um, Norm Ender is a third one that we have here. He's a Turkish rapper. So he w had a over 400% uh, Instagram gain. And he, uh, he was basically an early rapper in the Turkish rap scene um, when the research that we did on him. And he basically uh, went away for a period of time, and then he came back. And when he came back, it was a big deal to all the old hip-hop heads who follow uh, a lot of Turkish rap. And he made a big comeback. Um, I personally enjoy the track a lot. Um, and he had a huge growth uh, for this period as well because the track came out in July, so right at the beginning, um, called Mekanen Sahibi. Um, and he had to put out a bunch of uh, Instagram posts uh, regarding it. And uh, he's not that much of a prolific IG user, so I think that really said something about how latent but ready his fan base was on the platform, because uh, when he was ready to do some new stuff, um, his fans responded and really caught on and spread the word. So you can see that reflected here as well. I'll keep moving on. I, I think I took too much time yesterday, and I, I took some of Rucker's spotlight. So <laughs> let me keep going. So uh, next platform up is TikTok. And so for TikTok, we did this at the track level just to reflect the nature of the platform. Um, artists obviously still you know, benefit from you know, the tracks that happen to it. For example, obviously Lil Nas X is, is, is the big one. Uh, Benny, Benny Blanco is another one. But uh, we wanted to focus at the track level here because it's just very, um, it seems a very track focused kind of virality that exists on this platform. So that's what we did here with this kind of short list of 10 tracks. This is from, just to clarify, their tiktok.com slash trending page. So this is essentially where TikTok themselves define trending. We assume that to be, um, you know, when a certain audio asset is attached to an increasing number of videos per a specific fixed time period. It has to be something to that degree, but I'm sure it involves engagement well, as well as you know, you know, giving a heart to a TikTok and or commenting on it as well. And as long as the song's on it, it receives that kind of trending status. But we have that here. So Finetto was a Chief Keef song, the Chicago Drill rapper, um, which before, before I actually get into a few of them, um, the US uh, music contingent here is very strong. You'll see all these tracks were from the US, which is something I really think is worth pointing out, seeing the fact that it's a Chinese-born platform that is, has really a, a ton of traction worldwide, which is not news to you, but I think the fact that a lot of these trending tracks um, are by American artists really says something about the kind of vibe that gets created in terms of TikTok and what gets popular on it. We've seen other um, tracks, I can think of a couple of Filipino ones off the top of my head that are in Tagalog that also got popular. But um, it's really interesting to see that a lot of these tracks, well, all these tracks in this particular shortlist are American. Um, so again, Chief Keef uh, put out Fernando. So this came out in 2015 on, in, with a World Star Hip Hop exclusive video. Um, but we think got removed. There was a Rolling Stone article um, that came out uh, that talked about uh, how TikTok actually removed some explicit content. And uh, if you haven't heard Fernando, it is a very explicit song. <laughs> Um, so we think some of the TikToks got, the accounts got removed from the audio asset if you go into the app today, but um, we have it um, at least historically. So it had a, just underneath a 9,000% gain in terms of number of TikToks uh, during the six month period that we measured here. Uh, Harry Belfonte, a uh, New York City artist, uh, made the, this uh, track jump, jump in the Line that came in number two here. 
Um, so the Jamaican-American King of Calypso uh, artist himself, uh, Belafonte, uh, put out the track. When was this? Oh, 1961. So it was 1961 when this track came out, uh, obviously. <laughs> definitely a catalog track and not a front line, but uh, it really says something about TikTok and the platform and how it tends to revive a lot of new stuff, or I'm sorry, revive a lot of old stuff, um, which is pretty exciting, I imagine, if you work in the catalog space and really the sky's the limit when it comes to TikTok and whatever users use. I suggest you click on Jump in the Line. You can look straight at some of the TikToks, um, but they use a lot of uh, Belafonte's kind of fun exclamations in the song to um, deliver some just funny skits or jokes. Um, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, number three uh, in this case was Like a Rodeo. It's a love ballad essentially by other country singer Kane Brown. And it, he went from 20,000 to uh, just over 345,000 TikToks made to this song in the six month time period. And this was really interesting because it was essentially a series of videos where people would take uh, their dance partner, it'd be a two people in the, in the TikTok, and they would do this thing where they're throwing the partner up and down, and a lot of them uh, do it unsuccessfully, and it ends up being a funny video. Uh, I would also suggest you check those out if you need uh, a quick laugh, but it's really interesting because I would not expect that, personally speaking, to see uh, a bunch of fun dance videos being put to a slow country ballad song, but it just goes to show the unpredictability that can exist on the platform. Keep it moving. So this one is uh, Shazam. Uh, we should all be familiar with Shazam and how it works. Uh, so essentially, this tends to favor a lot more popular music uh, because it kind of by default has to be playing at a party or at a bar or a sporting event, which you happen to be at and people will pull out their phone and then Shazam it. Um, obviously, people need to know about Shazam as well uh, to have it on their phone. So it also reflects kind of where Shazam is most popular. Uh, in this particular case, we wanted to focus in on the city level, uh, Mexico City in this particular example, just because it has been such a mecca for streaming, as Spotify put it uh, recently on their official blog. So we wanted to see what was going on in terms of what people were hearing in the streets and what they wanted or what they were curious about. And so uh, a couple of the tracks that's uh, worth checking out here. Uh, so Lou Bega uh, of Mambo Number no. 5 fame, if you're not familiar with that, uh, came out, is it the 90s record? It was record, it was the 90s. So uh, if you want an earworm and have been missing one, I suggest you go back and check out Mambo Number no. 5. Uh, but he is a German artist that uh, most recently put out uh, Scatman and Hatman. So it's him, uh, and we couldn't figure out exactly why that particular track got so popular in Mexico City. Or at least, popular is, it's a fuzzy term, but it got shazammed a lot um, in Mexico City because essentially we measure chart occurrences here, not the number of shazams. And what we mean by that is if you go to shazam.com slash charts, you can look at the country level or the city level, what tracks and who, which artists uh, got popular in that region. So uh, they do it by top 50 tracks. So essentially uh, these numbers that you see here are the number of times it showed up on those top 50 charts in Mexico City. So we measure that in July 1st, we measure that in December 31st. And in that period, there must have been something going on with Scatman and Hatman because Lou Bega and Scatman John uh, went from two to over 100 uh, chart, occurrence, chart occurrences on the Mexico City Shazam charts. And so that was really something worth noting. Uh, Anuel Doble A is a Puerto Rican uh, trap rapper who uh, popped up here as well. He came in number three, went from five to 124. Um, the, his most Shazam track uh, was a collaboration track called China 
that uh, came out uh, during this time period as well and uh, did really well, but you know, he is a very prolific artist himself. So it was that and a few other uh, artist tracks that, um, that ended up being, um, did really, really well on Shazam. And then uh, you have also a couple other names here as well, uh, Maroon 5 and The Weeknd, which maybe you would or would not expect to be uh, really, really popular in Mexico City. Um, but did really, really well here. Um, so uh, English-speaking content does resonate, um, as well as a lot of rock music as well uh, in Shazam in Mexico City, and so we suggest you check that out. Uh, a couple more platforms, so Bantam Town Trackers. So these are their form of followers uh, for the kind of live music-focused uh, app based here in New York City. And so essentially we measured uh, for the six month period who had the biggest increase. Uh, Jeezy uh, put out a new album, uh, the American rapper from Atlanta um, called TM104, The Legend of the Snowman. Uh, it would drop in 2019 and he spent most of the second half of 2019 uh, touring on it. So he had the most gain um, up to 768,000 trackers on bands in town. Uh, that's a little bit over 110% for him. Um, Zoe, um, the uh, rock band from Mexico, um, has been around for a while and uh, went from 119,000 to 243,000 uh, in the same time period. Um, interestingly enough, um, I don't think they actually had too much going on in terms of releasing new music, but they did a bunch of engagements in Texas and California, where we can only assume they have a, a large fan base. Um, which probably resonated with a lot of bands in town users um, since it is an American app and we can only assume um, has a lot its most resonance in the states but they did do that um, in the second half of 2019 and just because their numbers aren't as big as Billie Eilish or um, Khalid in this particular example I wouldn't uh, take too much to it because their YouTube channel has over almost two billion views uh, total so um, please don't take uh, a band's in town or any other metric for that particular metric uh, to assume that maybe an artist is not as big as you might think they are because it really just is platform specific in a lot of cases. Um, 17 is another one that came up here that uh, was rather surprising. Um, not that the fact that they're not popular as a K-pop band, um, but the fact that they went um, from 61 to 82,000 um, on the platform uh, as a 34% gain, percentage gain for the group, um, but most of their engagements here were just in a conference. Uh, as big as KCON Los Angeles is, if you're not familiar with that, that's a K-pop conference that happens uh, annually in several different places um, at this point. But they performed at um, LA's Staples Center um, in August 2019, and also did a, in December of uh, last year, a CJ Group's Mnet Asian Music Awards in 2019 alongside BTS, Dua Lipa, GOT7, and Mama Moo. So um, definitely a huge band. They have much more than 82,000 uh, fans, uh, without a doubt. Um, but it's interesting to see them here on Bands in Town as well. Twitter follower gain. We've got two more, um, and I'll get out of your hair. Uh, so Burner Boy shows up at number one. He goes from 1.4 to 2.3 million Twitter followers uh, in the six-month period. And uh, as you can see here, just to close that loop with his gain in Spotify monthly listeners, you can see him doing really, well on Drew really, doing really, really well on Twitter as well. Um, we see Billie Eilish, of course, uh, swooping, I think it was, what, five, five Grammys at least that she took uh, recently. Uh, Haluk Levent showed up in our first H1 2019 uh, 6ML report. Um, he is a Turkish artist who posts a lot of uh, humanitarian content. Uh, he's very much a man of the people, and his uh, fan base really seems to resonate with that. He went from 1.7 to 2.5. 
Twitter followers within the six month period. And just to touch upon, um, you know, K-pop acts again real quick, three of them uh, in this particular shortlist also uh, came through. So we saw NCT in our first half of 2019 uh, report and they come through again. So NCT 127 and NCT Dream, they're two of the subunits of NCT. So NCT is like a large uh, K-pop uh, boy group and Dream is like their sub-teenage unit and 127, uh, I think another uh, unit. Obviously I'm not too familiar, but um, they do have different uh, functioning Twitter accounts and historically we've seen um, K-pop followings being really, really big on Twitter. So it doesn't surprise us at all to see three um, acts here. The third one being Stray Kids, by the way, um, having really, really big fan bases um, functioning here. Also two Filipina artists here as well, Marisa Rascal, uh, Rakal and uh, Loisa Andalia, which is pretty cool because we haven't seen Filipino artists um, at all on our 6 reports up to this point. So it's cool to see that here. Last but not least is Wikipedia views. Um, and this is uh, largely a, a measurement of curiosity, which is something that we've always um, been noticing. And in this particular case, collected a lot of um, artists that unfortunately passed um, in the six month period. So um, the passing of ours tends to be a really big uh, drawing to uh, you know, why people will pay attention uh, to an artist. And obviously in this case, um, trying to look back at their life. Um, so it doesn't have to be a passing. Sometimes it's just something that's happening in popular culture, but frequently uh, when someone passes, it tends to be you know, emotive enough for people to look them up um, on Wikipedia and try to learn more about them. So uh, you'll see a few of that here. You can look into them themselves when you click on their names. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and skip any kind of detail on that so we can get to uh, Rucker's second part um, where he can talk a little bit about Playlist Ad Awards. Okay, so for part two, we did, uh, we looked at Playlist Ad Awards. So if you haven't checked out um, our first 6MO report, you can um, check that out at the same link. But for that one, our second section, we looked at the same four DSPs, so Spotify, Deezer, Amazon, and Apple. Um, but in that report, we looked at genre and geography distribution uh, at the artist level. So we were basically looking at the top playlists on each platform and seeing what genres dominated, what um, artist countries dominated. Here, we wanted, because we're looking for um, breakthrough artists, we wanted to focus on playlist ads. So the number of playlists that artists were added to. And like I said, um, at the start of this, we wanted to look at first time playlist ads. So this would include like, um, so on Spotify, especially for um, users generating new playlists and adding artists to those playlists, or just, you know, new artists with a new track that's being added to playlists for the first time. So that's what we, that's where our headspace was going into this. Um, the story was a little bit more complicated than that, as we'll see. Um, so first, let's start off with Spotify. So as you can see, the top five um, most added artists on Spotify in terms of first-time playlist ads, pretty big legacy artists. So you have Jay-Z, Kanye, Rihanna, Pharrell, and Snoop Dogg, um, which was a bit surprising to us at first, but it does tell you something about um, about how well these, these artists and how um, sort of inculcated in music culture these artists are. 
because especially on Spotify, which has just an incredibly robust uh, playlist ecosystem, you can see the range in this top five from you know 18,000 um, playlist ads for Snoop Dogg to almost 24,000 for Jay-Z, which is a crazy amount. <clears throat> and those are all f for the first time. So that tells you something about, first of all, how big the playlist ecosystem is there, um, but also what kind of ecosystem there is, because the majority of these playlist ads are from users, so from not editorial, not curated by uh, Spotify. So that tells you, it, it, to us, it's sort of a, a proxy for listener choice, um, even though these artists maybe have, aren't, you know, the latest TikTok viral artist uh, with the latest TikTok viral track, people are still choosing to add them to their playlists. So obviously being a legacy artist still um, matters in this streaming economy. So one thing we did with these, um, with this section was zoom in on a particular story that we thought was interesting. So one of those stories was Jay-Z, who was number one for first time playlist ads. So one of the reasons for that was obviously Jay-Z, founder of Tidal, has um, a vested interest in promoting that streaming service over Spotify or any others. So his catalog was actually not on Spotify for a couple years. But for his 50th birthday uh, in early December of 2019, his catalog came back to Spotify. So that made a huge difference um, because obviously all of those songs being added to playlists are going to count as first-time playlist ads. So that really boosted his, um, his ranking here. Um, one thing we also looked at was just his general playlist count, so not necessarily first-time ads, but his um, cumulative count for the six-month period. And you can see it's a crazy amount, uh, but you could also see the disparity bef between editorial and non-editorial playlists. Um, so the dark blue on the top graph is the total playlist he was added, added to and the light blue is just the editorial playlists. So you can see how small the editorial amount is compared to that huge wave of non-editorials. Um, and then on the second graph, we have playlist follower reach, and this is taken from our playlist evolution feature on uh, our front end, by the way. Um, but so playlist follower reach, you can see that even though the playlist count for the editorials is vastly smaller than the non-editorials, the playlist reach is pretty significant, comparatively speaking. Um, obviously, non-editorial um, playlist reach is still huge just by sheer quantity of the playlists that there are, the, the user-generated playlists, but um, editorial playlists obviously have a disproportionate effect in this regard. Now moving on to Deezer, uh, and again, if you have any questions, just feel free to um, send them through the chat. 
but Deezer. So top five here, we have Tones and I, Ballara, Black Eyed Peas, Regard, and Harry Styles. So a lot of these you'll probably recognize. Um, I know Tones and I has emerged already, but she really was a breakthrough artist in 2019. So um, she makes it to number one here. The number two spot goes to Brazilian rock band, which is relatively unknown, um, named Ballara. The fact that they are Brazilian rock wasn't super surprising to us based on our, um, our first edition of this report where we saw that Deezer skews toward um, Latin and Caribbean, um, both in terms of genre and geography. Um, but what, what was surprising, and we'll get into it on the next page, is that playlist count didn't necessarily match up with um, playlist follower reach as it did with Jay-Z. Um, but another particularly, uh, particular breakthrough artist was DJ Regard, a Kosovo-born DJ who's he's been around for like a decade or so, but he really broke through again on TikTok, like Tones and I. Um, and he just blew up in the streaming world with the remix of Jay Sean's 2008 song, Ride It. So that was cool to see him pop up at number four as well. Um, so let's zoom in on Ballara. So they had 224 first time playlist ads, putting them at number two for um, the Playlist Ad Awards. However, if we look at these graphs uh, for their playlist count, so again, this is their cumulative playlist count for the six month period, um, their editorial playlist count is significantly smaller than their total playlist count. But their playlist follower reach essentially, once they lost their essentially first and only editorial playlist, their playlist follower reach went to effectively zero. So that tells you that even though they um, were added to, you know, hundreds of playlists, a lot of these were user generated that didn't have big follower reach. So it effectively amounted to, um, well, nothing, because you can see how minimal their follower reaches for these playlists as compared to that one, just that one editorial playlist reach, uh, or editorial playlist that they were added to. What this tells you is that you can't, especially in this regard, you can't um, just count on always on just one metric. You have to look at the relationship between these metrics. So playlist count for Ballara doesn't necessarily mean uh, a great sort of like breakthrough for them, considering the follower reach associated with that high count. Moving on to Apple, again, we see Tones and I um, at number one, thanks to TikTok, but we also see DJ Regard again. Uh, this time he's in number three, tied with DaBaby, um, but also through uh, TikTok, as I've said. Um, Ariana Grande actually boosted two artists into the top five spots here. So it shows the power of collaboration. Um, and we have a, 
cool um, blog article actually that our data scientist Nutia wrote on the power of of collaboration in the last decade. It's it's really fascinating to see if you want to check that out on our blog. Um, so let's zoom in to actually DJ Regard's um, ride to the top. So again, he got big on TikTok and once his label, Ministry of Sound, decided to re-release uh, his remix on, on all the streaming services, you kind of knew it was going to go to the big editorial playlist, but we wanted to see what, would, what the journey was after that um, to see if there was anything interesting there. So you can see that, of course, he starts on these what we call time-based playlists, so like the new music playlists, um, the very time focus, so they're not going to be there for very long. And then it moved on to these chart-based playlists, um, uh, regional chart-based, so like Top 100 Malta, Top 100 Turkmenistan. Um, and from there, um, after, obviously it hit today's hits immediately, but all the, from there it went to contextual playlists. So, like workout playlists, uh, office DJ, these like feeling-based playlists, um, and we wanted to track that to the, a really big playlist on Apple called Pop Workout. And you can see here, this is pulled from our playlist journeys feature on our front end. You can see the playlist overlap. So essentially, Top 100 Malta, for example, has a 12% uh, track overlap with the destination playlist we were looking at, Pop Workout. So it kind of tells you um, how much of these playlists, how much these playlists have in common with the target playlists you're looking at. And that can help you essentially target smaller playlists to try to get onto bigger and bigger ones. But for this one, it was interesting for us because it suggested that contextual playlists can actually extend the life of a song because obviously this song is now many, many, many months old. Um, and so it's dropped off of these big time-based and chart-based playlists, but it's still able to extend its life on these contextual playlists where it can continue uh, getting its rotation. And it has, um, as we've seen, which can be very beneficial, obviously, from the business end. And then finally, we looked at Amazon Music. Um, this was a little bit more pop-oriented, uh, but also country pop. Um, and this also wasn't super surprising to us based on our first edition of this report, where we saw that Amazon um, tends to skew toward country and uh, American markets. So here you see Maren Morris and Taylor Swift, who are both country to pop crossovers. Obviously, Taylor Swift crossed over about a decade ago, but Maren Morris was um, more recent within the last year or two. Um, so it's pretty interesting to see both of them in the top five here when they aren't in the top five on any of the other platforms. Um, and so let's zoom in on Maren Morris a little bit because the story is pretty interesting um, if we look at her playlist count. So you can see that 
uh, right here on the bottom left, for the three other DSP, DSPs, Apple, Deezer, and Spotify, she's essentially flatlined. But for Amazon, you can see just a steady trajectory upward. Um, given Amazon's playlist ecosystem, which is not so much user-generated, it's pretty much all editorial, as opposed to Spotify, especially, and Deezer, and Apple to some extent. Um, this tells you something about their editorial decisions, really. Um, so they're actively choosing to, to continue to add Marin Morris's stuff, or, or at least for this um, six-month time period in 2019. And you can see, compared to um, Camila Cabello, for example, where she does much better in terms of playlist ads or playlist count um, on the other DSPs than she does on Amazon, where her numbers are actually the lowest. And I believe that is the last page of our report. I'm going to hand it over to Jason um, to give any final thoughts. And again, if you have any questions, just feel free to chat us and we'll try to answer them as best as we can. Thank you. Chat. I don't think there's anyone necessarily with any questions right now, which is fine. Um, but if you do end up having them, please feel free to contact us. This last page uh, of the PDF here, um, I'm sorry, second to last page, um, has um, our information on it. If you want to reach out um, and talk about it, uh, we also are on all socials. And by that, I mean LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At um, Chartmetric, uh, no S is where we're available. Also, you can email hi at chartmetric.com, and if you just want to check out the company, it's chartmetric.com, uh, obviously. And of course, we have our blog, which we've uh, referred to a few times already. It's blog.chartmetric.com. And if you click uh, down here below, uh, you can, we have a Chartmetric newsletter where we can send out um, you know, any new articles or podcasts that we do, as well as product updates. But essentially, music and data and trying to derive useful insights from them, is that's our bag, and we, uh, we're happy to we're happy to do it. So uh, I also want to thank uh, Komo Prabhu and uh, Nutia Sikau, uh, that they are um, the computer engineer and data scientists that helped with uh, getting the data all cleaned and organized and collected for 6MO. Uh, without them, this would definitely not exist. So thank you to them. Um, please feel free to uh, reach out at any other time. Otherwise, we're good, Michelle? No, nothing else? OK, cool. Um, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, stay safe out there. Bye.